Welcome to the School of Wellbeing podcast. I am your host, Meg Durham, wellbeing speaker, educator, and coach. Together, we're going to explore lessons to help us live well. Let the learning begin. Welcome to episode 53 of the School of Wellbeing podcast. Thank you for listening, and I hope this conversation inspires you to take courageous action in your life. Would you like to boost your energy levels this school holidays? Join me for the five-day energy reset, where I'll be sharing strategies that I use to keep me feeling energized and taking inspired action. To learn more, visit openmindeducation.com forward slash energy reset. Now let's jump into today's solo episode. Complaining, we all do it. It's a healthy, normal and predictable part of the human experience. Complaining can be a helpful way to express and process our dissatisfaction but it can also leave us feeling drained and powerless. In this episode, we will explore the reasons why we complain, three common types of complaining, when to listen and when to give advice, and so much more. I hope you enjoy this solo episode. Let's dive into it. Complaining. Complaining is something that we all do. Permission to be human. Permission to complain. It is normal, it is predictable, it is healthy. And throughout this solo episode, I hope you start to think about your complaining with a different lens and start to notice when is it helpful and when is it potentially harmful? Is your complaining helping you move forward or is your complaining keeping you stuck? And this is what we're going to explore together. I like the idea of lots of gray area. Complaining is not right or wrong. It's about the in-between and having an understanding about the impact it can have on the way that we feel, on the way that we function and on our relationships. So we all like a good vent. We have a bit of a few gripes. We have a bit of a whinge. However, how often you do it is going to have a significant impact on the way that you feel. For example, If you're working in a classroom and there's a student that's complaining, makes sense. You can deal with the complaint. But if you're dealing with a whole classroom that's complaining, that's hard to tolerate. The same thing as a parent. If you have a child that's whinging here and there, you can manage that. But if they're constantly whinging, it can get really under your skin. And so this is the nuance. This is a complexity about how often we do it and the impact that it's having. As humans, we can complain about anything and everything from small, trivial things like the stickers on apples and having to get it off to the big things about the education system and how it should be functioning. We can complain about the traffic, weather, our colleagues, our family, our friends, books, anything you think of, we can complain about it. It's normal to express our dissatisfaction and our annoyance. This is what we do. Sometimes it helps us move forward and sometimes it keeps us stuck. So why do we complain? A part of it makes us feel really good in the moment. It's almost like a sugar hit that in the moment we can release the pressure. We can release our dissatisfaction. We can express that we're annoyed with something. It feels good in the moment. And it can also be a way to build connections with others. When we get together, we can complain and it makes us feel like we're connected, like we're on the same team. It's us versus them. And it's also a powerful way to process our emotions and experiences. 
because as we go through our lives, so many different things happen and being able to express that is really important. And sometimes it's seeking assurance, saying this is what happened. What do you think? Am I being fair? Am I being reasonable? Or maybe am I being unreasonable? So there are lots of good reasons why we complain that make complete sense. So when it comes to complaining, what's your pattern? Where do you complain? Who do you complain with? And how often? Are you someone that complains and expresses your discomfort or your dissatisfaction in the moment? Or are you someone that does it after the fact? So for example, if there's a meeting and something has popped up that you don't agree with, or you can see that there's another way to do it, would you have that conversation in the moment or express your dissatisfaction? Or are you someone that would express your dissatisfaction outside the meeting? You know, the meeting, after the meeting, this can be quite tricky because we're not expressing our dissatisfaction with the people who really need to hear it. And then we're expressing our dissatisfaction with people that don't really need to hear it. So for example, our partners may get a lot of the dissatisfaction and the annoyance, but people at work have no clue that we're feeling like that because we're not dealing with the discomfort and dissatisfaction in the workplace and we're releasing the pressure outside of the workplace. So we're uncomfortable to complain at work, but then we're very comfortable to complain at home. Or you may be someone that complains constantly at work and you don't complain at home or a bit of both. So starting to notice where you complain and who you complain with, because that can be a vital bit of information when we look into the types of complaining that we can get into particular patterns with particular people. The way that we complain is not the same with everybody that we live and work with. So are you in a habit of complaining to people who cannot do anything about it, that they don't have the power to change the situation or create a solution, when potentially there could be a courageous conversation that you have with the source of the dissatisfaction or the source of the annoyance? Because so often we're annoyed with someone, something, but they don't know. They don't understand there's dissatisfaction. There's lots of times when I'm working in schools and the school leadership will say, yes, the staff are wonderful. Everyone's really happy. They're on board with all of these changes. And then I talk with the staff and it's a very different story. There can be a real disconnect. So thinking about that psychological safety, are you in environments where you can freely express your dissatisfaction, where you can use complaining in a constructive way? to express your dissatisfaction, to express your annoyance and what's possible. What are some possible solutions? When it comes to complaining, we're going to look at three broad categories because not all complaining is the same. Generally, we're looking at three different types of complaining. The first type of complaining is venting. This is when we just need a good old-fashioned vent. We need to be heard. We need to be understood. We're seeking empathy and not solutions. This is not a time for problem solving. This is a time just to express our dissatisfaction, express what's annoying us, to get it off our chest. So a helpful strategy is to call someone and say, I just need to vent. So they have their heads up that you don't want any solutions. This is not a problem solving time. This is an opportunity to vent. 
to express, to release the pressure, to laugh about the situation and feel that connection. And we all need a good venting buddy, someone that will listen, that will not judge and laugh with us. And maybe a vent may turn into something else and some problem solving, but in the moment, all we want is to be heard. And when we vent, it can be really helpful for us to get that discomfort out of our system and for it to be processed and to be heard. However, if we're in a habit of constantly venting, we're not seeking any solutions. We're not deciding what we do next. We're not looking to the future. We're not problem solving. And so being mindful about your venting and is it becoming a little bit more of a habit than something that's helpful? Has it gone from something that's been helpful to unhelpful? So that's the first type of complaining. The first type of complaining is a good old-fashioned vent. The second type is recreational complaining. Recreational complaining is just as it sounds. It becomes a recreational activity. It becomes a habit. It becomes something that you do. When you get together with somebody, you complain. And you complain over and over and over again. And if someone was to record your conversations, chances are there'll be a lot of conversations that go on repeat, talking about the same topics, the same dissatisfaction with no solutions, no problem solving. You know, think about the chronic complainers that you live and work with. They are never satisfied. They're in this habit of recreationally complaining that this is the way that they connect with other people. If they're not complaining, they're not sure what to talk about because complaining has become their content. And when we talk about recreational complaining, think about neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity is our ability to learn and grow. And this is what we're doing every time we complain We're building this circuitry in our brain, this neural pathway that this is what we do. We complain. And so the more we complain, the better we get at it. And as we become more expert in complaining, we can also start to feel very powerless in our life. We're constantly looking for things that are annoying us, that are getting under our skin. And that's a pretty powerless position to be in. We can start to feel like the victim and we don't have any autonomy because we get stuck in the problem. And complaining has become a sport. I'm sure as you're listening, you can think of one or two people that have really got stuck in this type of complaining. It's recreational, it's predictable, and there's no solutions. And when you walk away from these conversations, you may notice that you feel quite flat. You feel quite drained because you're constantly stuck and sitting in the problem. So the third type of complaining is really focused complaining. It's when we need to process our dissatisfaction or our annoyance to generate possible solutions. So for example, when I see my psychologist, I go with a few things that I want to work through. When there are some niggles or some situations that I just don't know what's going on or I'm sensing some dissatisfaction or I'm feeling annoyance, I'll have those written down on a list and then I'll talk through them. And as I'm talking through them, I'm really trying to gain new insights. I'm trying to get some advice, even though my psychologist won't give me direct advice, but maybe if I was talking to a friend, they may give me some advice or talking to a coach, they may give some advice. And it's about inviting a new perspective. So you feel like you can take control of the situation by having a really good look at what is it that you're dissatisfied with. 
Why are you feeling annoyed and what is possible? What are the next steps? And so when it comes to complaining, this is what gives us energy because we feel like, okay, this is what we're not happy with and this is what we're going to try. That's really uplifting. We're really tapping into our confidence and our courage there compared to when we're complaining by habit and we're just focusing on the problem or even venting. We're just getting it off our chest without any thought about what's next. So they're the three main types of complaining. We have the good old-fashioned vent. We have recreational when it just becomes a habit. And then the final one is about focus complaining when we're looking for solutions and to take deliberate action. So when you break it all down, how does each of the types of complaining make us feel? So venting, there might be some pleasure in the moment, but then the discomfort starts to sit back in once the situation hasn't changed. And then with recreational complaining, we may feel pleasure in the moment, but then drained afterwards. However, with focus complaining, at the start, it can be quite uncomfortable or even painful to articulate what's causing our dissatisfaction, knowing that we're going to move to problem solving. However, we get the pleasure at the end. So when it comes to complaining, there are lots of things to think about from that neurobiology perspective. So we've got neuroplasticity happening. The more we do something, the better we get at it. We've also got our confirmation bias. So our confirmation bias is a shortcut that our brain uses to make sure that we're right, that we're correct. So if we're in a habit of complaining all the time, our confirmation bias is constantly be scanning the environment to find evidence to prove that we are right, that such and such is annoying or such and such is wrong or that decision was wrong. And so our confirmation bias will kick in. It's not looking for evidence that makes us incorrect. It's looking for evidence to confirm the way that we're thinking. And then our negativity bias, that shortcut where we focus on the negative, not the positive, So it's much easier to complain about someone than to give someone a compliment. So there's much more effort required to look for what are we satisfied with, what is working well versus what we're unsatisfied with and feeling discomfort around. So it's much easier to express dissatisfaction than to express satisfaction. So all of these different layers really make sense Let's link this back to episode 49 when I talked to Dr. Anna Limke and she explored dopamine and the pain and pleasure balance. Pleasure leads to pain and pain leads to pleasure. So type A pleasure is when we get the pleasure up front and type B pleasure is when we get the pleasure after the pain. So for example, when we have a Tim Tam, once we have one, we get a dip and then we want another one and another one. So let's apply this to complaining. When we're venting, it may be like having that Tim Tam. It feels great in the moment. If we continue to have more and more Tim Tams and we finish the packet, we may feel quite uncomfortable afterwards because nothing's really changed. Or for the recreational, It's like having a Tim Tam all the time. It makes us feel good. We get the pleasure up front and the discomfort afterwards. And because we're experiencing discomfort, we may go and complain again to get the lift. And then the focus complaining, when we're thinking about problem solving, we have the discomfort at the start, but then we get the pleasure at the other end of, yes, I've got a plan. Yes, it's been frustrating me. It's been on my mind. I've been irritated by it and I've got a plan. 
So we can look at complaining with the lens of dopamine and that pain-pleasure balance. Is this working for me? Is this just giving me a sense of instant gratification or long-term satisfaction? Because when we're getting those small hits, it might be that small complaint with a colleague and a complaint here and a complaint there. It feels good in the moment, but it doesn't last. However, when we've complained, and we've got a possible way forward, that feels so much more satisfying because we don't need to then complain again because we have a plan. We've moved through it, we've processed it, and we know what we're going to do next. Here are four strategies that I've come up with. Number one, start to notice. Notice how often you are complaining. Who are you complaining with and how it makes you feel? Number two is set a time limit. If you need to have a vent, Maybe give yourself 10, 15 minutes and then after that, that's it. Or if you live or work with someone that is venting constantly, you may have to say, yep, I'm happy to listen to you. Let it rip for 10 minutes and then we're going to move on to something else. We're going to do something differently. Number three is when someone is complaining to you, when you're receiving the dissatisfaction or their annoyance, is to identify what type of complaining is this? Does this person just want to be heard? Is it a vent? Is this person doing it because this is how they're in relationship? Is it just recreational? Or is this person looking to me for advice? And to make sure that you know what someone is wanting, because when we step in with advice, when someone just wants to vent, it really leads to disconnections. So being open, listening and noticing, do they want advice or not? Do they just want to be heard and to be listened to and for you to say, that sounds really tough or that would be really annoying. And finally, think about A, B, C, acknowledge acknowledge that you're feeling dissatisfaction or that you're feeling annoyed or unhappy with it. Acknowledge it. Don't avoid it because what we resist persists. So acknowledge that we're feeling that dissatisfaction. Then take a breath. B is for breathe and then choose. Choose how you want to move forward. Do you want to vent? Do you want to do a recreational complaint, just a back and forth? Or do you want to take action? Do you want to process it in a way that leads to greater action? So they're my four practical tips to really notice, set a time limit, see if the other person wants advice or not, what type of complaining is coming to you as a listener. And finally, think ABC, acknowledge, breathe and choose. I hope this solo episode has provided you with a new way to think about complaining and practical strategies to express your dissatisfaction and annoyance. If you'd loved this episode, please share it with someone you think would benefit from listening. If you're ready to boost your energy and take inspired action in your life, join me for the five-day energy reset this school holidays. To learn more, visit openmindeducation.com forward slash energy reset. You can find all the links from today's episode at openmindeducation.com forward slash episode 53. Thank you for listening to this episode of the School of Wellbeing and I look forward to sharing more heartfelt conversations with you next week.